Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. I welcome you back to Daybreak Devotions. This is Pastor Mike Barnett here on this Friday, the close of another week. That's always, you know, it's exciting. I mean, the weeks are good. Every day's good in the Lord. But uh, when we enter into a weekend, hopefully everybody having a chance to find some rest. Some of you are already thinking, boy, you don't know what my weekend holds. And I, I do understand that. But I hope that you can find some rest in there. You know, everybody needs a little Sabbath, and uh, that's something that I, I know firsthand we have to kind of fight for that, which sort of ironic that you have to fight for Sabbath, right? But uh, we live in a busy world, a busy, intense world, and I hope you'll find it. I hope you'll get it. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful gift that would be. So that's my weekend blessing for you as you move into it. And then, of course, Sunday's coming. Looking forward to the gathering at the house of the Lord. And it'll be a special Sunday for us this coming week as we get to welcome back our mission team. Uh, two weeks in a row, we've been just just blessed and really excited to have two weeks, two different teams uh, that have been on uh, different missions, and helping and getting the gospel published and distributed and shared in various places, ultimately around the world. And so just been a blessing for us as a church to be a part of that. Looking forward to having our team back this week. Good report, I'm sure, coming from them on Sunday night. So so much to be thankful for and, uh, and, and anticipate. But for this next half hour, we are going to enjoy this time that we have together. And I tell you, we've had also... To, I've mentioned it being a, a great week in terms of the goodness of it, but we've also had a tough week as a church. We've said goodbye, had to say goodbye, and two different funeral services to a couple of our senior saints in the church that have been a part of our family for many, many, many years, even decades, scores of years, we could literally say. And already, you know, it's been uh, uh, missing them as family and friends reflect on that. But, you know, as I have been involved in the uh, funeral services and, you know, very, very little, there's little that I feel I can do, but, boy, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that's really where the real ministry comes from. But one of the thoughts, and it's actually a song, that came to my heart as we were having the funeral service for Sister Faye Galden this week, um, and, and it just kind of settled into me, was that old song, Be Thou My Vision. And I think it would be appropriate to play on this Friday as we get ready to go into the, the weekend that we don't lose sight that just having that vision of Christ in our heart, that's what keeps us going forward. So we're going to hear that and uh, by the Lamar family, and then we'll, we'll look back into the Word of God. I want to continue in our study today on becoming the man or woman that we are made to be in Jesus Christ. Thou art that 
song that is encouraging and uh, challenging and that's where I want my heart to stay with the Lord as my vision so we're coming back to second Peter chapter 1 today and I don't know that well I do know I'm just going to tell you we're not going to get through this and I am awaiting the return of Pastor Corey to join me so we can resume our study in Galatians but I guess until he gets here I'm just going to continue with this study in second Peter chapter 1 but I, I introduced this yesterday and I, I I told you how that the Lord had given me this this prayer thought, and I've been carrying it with me all week, that I must become the man that I am made to be in Christ. And that word become is so critical to this because it speaks of a process. It speaks of, you know, it's a verb. It means that I shouldn't just be talking about becoming that kind of man, but I need to go after it. I need to do it. It's a very active word, which means to pass from one state to another, to enter into some state or condition by a change from another state or condition, or by assuming or receiving new properties or qualities, additional matter, or a new character. Now, that was a long definition for the word become, but this is exactly what Peter gives us in 2 Peter chapter 1 as he speaks of this process of becoming the kind of man or the kind of woman that we are made to be in Jesus, where he says in verse number 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, 
through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That's the additional properties or qualities or matter. And here it is that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That's that new character that is imparted into us, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so I was talking yesterday about this process of becoming and how while we become a child of God the moment we trust in Jesus, this becoming the man or woman in Christ that we are made to be is a it's, a, it's not an instantaneous thing. It does take time. It is a becoming thing. And it is like uh, what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the, the become new, the all things, well, in one sense, I instantly, everything in my life changed, and it became new for me. But in another sense, and you know this, you know this as you as you seek to follow Christ, there are things in our life that continue to be made new in that process of renewal or renovation. Renovation is a big word for us here at McLeansville this year. It's the, the theme of our year. It's renovation year. And, and I've said this many times just in the last few weeks, but learn to first be, then do is one of the principles that we have emphasized. And so renovation is something that takes some time. But to become the kind of man or woman, what kind of man or woman? Well, as I looked at this, this chapter, and I just men- I mentioned these yesterday. We talked about them. I'm just going to list them again for you now. When I look at 2 Peter chapter 1, I see five things that define the kind of man that I want to become in Christ. Number one, a godly man, and that's from verse 3. If, you're, if you have your Bible, I'll reference that, and you can look at it. If, if you don't, then make a note and look at it later. But I want to become a godly man, someone who dwells in and lives by God. And then secondly, to become a holy man. That's what verse 4 gives us, someone who is sharing in the very nature of God so that his character is becoming my character. Number three, to be a diligent man. That's verse 5. And that word diligent, I said, literally means speed, but the, what it's implying and teaching us there is that we're giving our very best and earnest effort to do this, to work with God in the process of being made new. Number four, to be a fruitful man. Now you look at verse eight, and it speaks to us of that. And I'll read that verse. I didn't read these earlier, but verse eight says, for if these things be in you, he's referring back to the things we're going to begin to look at today. He says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So fruitful, that is the opposite of lazy and unproductive. And what are we to be fruitful in? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's really the fruit that we that God wants to produce in us. That's the fruit we are to bear that brings him glory. And then number five, I believe that God wants to make us uh, a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. Verse 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? To be a kingdom man, am I in the kingdom of God now? We are in the kingdom. When we come into Christ, we are brought into the kingdom but I want to become the kind of person who lives with that mindset. You know, the kind of person that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. I want to become a beatitude type person. I want to become the kind of person who does the things that Jesus said and lives the way that Jesus said we ought to live. That's a kingdom person. Now, 
More to say on all that as we go along. But Peter, again, is clear that this is a process that we are going through. Now, when I closed yesterday, I told you that there are three guiding thoughts that I wrote down which I believe define this process of becoming. This helps me, and if you're able to write this down and you want to, maybe it helps you, but it just kind of helps frame it for me. So three statements. Number one, my renovation or my becoming, my renovation is a journey to godliness in the kingdom. Now, that, I think, explains the goal of it all. We talk about becoming. We talk about being changed, renewal. What is it about? It's about a journey to godliness in the kingdom. That's the goal of my living in my days. The word journey is important because you know Peter himself uses that word. I believe, because I'm just thinking about it, uh, it's in First Peter, but remember when he speaks to us about being pilgrims and strangers and how, we're to our, how we are to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul? Uh, he's speaking of the fact that we are in a journey. Now, journey goes very well with process, right? A journey is, you know, the old saying, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And every day, um, and really every hour, that's what we're after, is we're, we're taking that next step in this journey to godliness in the kingdom of God. So that's the first statement that I wrote down. The second statement is this. My requirements are the knowledge of God through the precious promises. So my, my renovation is a journey to godliness in the kingdom. That's my goal. My requirements for this are the knowledge of God through the precious promises, and that is my guide. Now, multiple times, multiple places in Peter's letter, he speaks of knowledge. Verse 2, I read earlier, you know, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And again, in verse 3, he says, that uh, we have been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Later in the study, in verse six, uh, 5 and 6, he says that we're to add to our virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. And so here again, I, I would go all the way to the end of the, the, uh, the letter, and, and there's other places in between, but chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So my re requirements for this journey, this journey to godliness in the kingdom, is I need the knowledge of God that comes through those precious promises that verse 4 tells me about, that, that are given to me, the exceeding great and precious promises. They are my means of partaking of the divine nature. So, statement one, my renovation is a journey to godliness in the kingdom, which is my goal. Statement two, my requirements are the knowledge of God through the precious promises, the word of God, and this is the, this is the guide for my life. Now, here's the third statement. My responsibility, and that's important. That's important because this speaks of where we're going to today, that we have effort to put into this. We have a part to play in this. And so my responsibility is to pursue growth diligently by adding to my faith, adding to my faith. Now, we've got the goal. That's the journey to godliness in the kingdom. We've got the guide. That's the knowledge of God through the precious promises. But here are my gains that I'm after. That is to pursue growth diligently by adding to my faith. Now, I use that word gains. A lot of people that, you know, if you're, uh, and there's probably other uh, platforms or avenues where this applies, but I think about it 
in a lot of the sports communities, you know, people that are weight training and, and trying to get stronger, uh, they talk about their gains. Am I gaining in strength or am I gaining in muscle mass? Maybe other athletes are trying to gain in terms of speed or the ability to jump, to elevate, whatever it may be. But, but how do we gain? How do we achieve those gains? We do it by pursuing growth diligently. And Peter specifically is calling us to do that by adding to our faith. Now we're going there, but let me just introduce the opening of Peter's letter and bring us into that process of becoming. Verse number one, Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. There's the faith we're adding to right there. And we've obtained that like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So to those, Peter says, I'm writing to those who share the same faith that I have. Now, how is it that we have this faith? It is received through the righteousness of God, through Jesus our Savior. That's what Peter tells us. That's a wonderful truth. It's received, not earned. Now, I've already mentioned the word earned. There's some effort, or I've mentioned the word effort. There is effort we put forth, but we don't earn salvation. We don't earn holiness but we do put forth effort to work with the grace of God in growing in what God has already given to us. And I hope that makes sense. So it's received by the righteousness of God through Jesus our Savior. It's received. Peter he puts it this way. He says, um, he, he says obtained. That's a, that's a powerful word. Our salvation is obtained. It means that it's been appointed to us. But again, how? How is it appointed to me? I don't deserve to be saved, right? We, we know we don't earn it. We know we can't be good enough to be saved. It comes to us by the character and quality of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's what he means when he says, we've obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Boy, that tells me one thing for sure. My salvation and my hope is based in something that is absolutely certain, and that is the righteousness of God. Can you trust God? You sure can. Can you trust me? I want you to be able to, but friend, I know from experience I will fail. I will let you down. But we can trust God, and so our salvation is secure in that. I'm glad for it. Now he says in verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You think about that, grace and peace. Sometime those, those, sometimes those words get used and we don't really think or appreciate what they mean. But grace and peace are premium spiritual blessings or uh, spiritual endowments from God on our life. Apart from grace, we are helpless. And apart from peace, we are restless in this world. And these things are multiplied to us, Peter says. They're multiplied in our lives. Grace and peace be increased. Multiplico is the Latin. It comes from the word multus, many, and polico to double. So, I mean, do the math on that. He's going to double up many of these graces and pieces into our life. And I mean, you just can't number it. That's what Peter is saying. And it comes through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Epignosis. Epignosis. This is a big word. It means recognition. And that's the word Peter uses here when he speaks of the knowledge of God and of Jesus. It's epignosis. It means recognition. It means becoming more and more a person who can discern God in their life and in this world. That's how we want to live. That is how we want to live. And 
and and and knowing God and having that knowledge of God, you know, that's really the unifying factor in our lives as Christians. You know, me being able to see God in the world, you seeing God in the world, and then the recognition of Jesus Christ in one another, that is a precious thing. You know, Paul had a concern for his brethren, um, his Jewish brethren. He says in Romans chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to to knowledge. You see, they were missing this recognition of who God really was. They, they knew there was a God. They believed in God. They were devout in that way, but they really didn't know God. And that's what Paul wanted for them to have, the knowledge of God. You see, the knowledge of God is the key to becoming the man that I am made to be in Christ or the man or woman you are made to be in Christ. And this knowledge which transforms us, must be on our part something that we acknowledge, right? A-C-A-C, knowledge, acknowledge it. So the knowledge is there, but we learn how to acknowledge the truth. Um, Paul, again, gives us some important truth about this. He writes in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 25, he says, "...in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You see, the truth is always there. It's there for you and for me to to receive and to grow in, but to recognize God, to have that knowledge, we have to acknowledge that truth. And again, Paul says in Titus 1, in verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So what is that saying? That is saying to you and I, that we have this responsibility, this responsibility to pursue growth diligently by adding to our faith. That is what Peter is calling us to, and it is in that way that we will make gains in our godliness and in our coming to know God in a more real way. So a renovation is a process. Now, when you think about renovation, it's both a process of removal and replacement, or as Peter has it, adding to. That's the, that's the phraseology he uses here. So I want to focus on the adding part because that is, again, what Peter is emphasizing. And a lot of times we think about it, and we should. There's a place to talk about the stuff that we need to get out of our life. But I do believe this, and Peter backs it up. If we fail to do the adding, we're going to suffer loss. Verse 9 tells us that. He says, if you lack these things... He is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. And so what that means is we begin to live like somebody who's who's not been made a godly person. We begin to fall back into some of the ungodly ways. So I think it would be fair to say that if we put some emphasis on what we need to add in our life and we actually add to um, our faith the right things, we're going to have to, by default, squeeze out the wrong things. And so it'll be a very good move for us. Here's an example of what it looks like. So let me say this first. We have to understand this, that life in God is never stagnant. We are either becoming one thing or we are becoming another thing, right? And I think that falls in the lines of we are becoming someone who's living in the Spirit or someone who's living by the flesh. So Paul says in Galatians 5, back where we've been studying some with the AP, Verse 14 through 17, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. 
This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So, there's a very clear delineation drawn that there is no stagnation in our spiritual life. We are either becoming more like Christ, or we are by default slipping backwards into this, what Peter would say, being barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, what helps us with this? That's verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things, everything that we need to live a life that is godly and holy, remember all the things we mentioned before, diligent, fruitful, kingdom-minded, God has provided all of that for us through the knowledge of him, and we access that by going to those great and precious promises, and it is in those promises that we are made partakers, receivers of a godly character or divine nature. And so this, this means a lot of things. This is where the spiritual discipline comes into our life because we have Bibles. You have a Bible. Hey, and by the way, it's a spiritual discipline in your life that you tune in and listen to Bible teaching on a regular basis. That's a good thing. That's an example of a spiritual discipline, and it helps us to grow so long as it's you know good Bible teaching, right? And it's challenging us to grow because that's where the gains come from. Pursue growth diligently by adding to our faith. So we practice spiritual disciplines not as a means or an end in themselves, right? Not as an end in themselves. I don't pray and read my Bible so that I can say I pray and read my Bible. I pray and I read God's Word because the end of it all, my hope, the gain, is that I increase in recognition of God. I increase in the recognition of Jesus in my life. I increase in the recognition of Jesus in the world. I can look around at what's going on and say, boy, I see God's hand in that. And so my heart is stirred. I, I increase in my uh, ability to pray for people, to, to think about people in a godly way, to try to relate to people and befriend and and, and practice things like forgiveness and confession and all those things that make the spiritual life rich and meaningful and effectual in this world. This is why we do it. And when we do it, we're escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, man, this is a win-win. There's just no way around it. Now, we're going to get into this next time. Finally going to get to the list. We're going to start with verse 5. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. And I want to talk about those things next time because that's what God says we need to be adding into our, into our days, into the hours of our days, because they will help us to grow. So thank you for listening again today. Boy, it's been a blessing to be with you. I look forward to being back. Well, it'll be Monday now, and it won't be long. The, a the AP will be back with us, but Come join us again next time. We'll see you then. God bless you and have a great weekend in the Lord. Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night.
we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.